The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is not Terry Aranga. It is Betsy Hicks filling in for the very busy Terry Aranga, who is preparing for the Autism One conference that begins tomorrow, um, unless, uh, I don't know if anything is happening there today, but I know that a a lot of stuff's happening tomorrow um, with the cooking day, and it is going to be one amazing weekend with many speakers from many different places, and please, if you can't get there in person, know that you can go online and go to the autismone.org website, and from there you can do live streaming. Um, You don't want to miss all of the information. coming out at this Autism One conference. But today I have a wonderful guest, which I cannot wait to jump into this conversation. Um, We are joined today by Chantal uh, Cecile Hira, who is an award-winning author of five books and the founder of AutismCollege.com, which provides practical information and training online. Her most recent book is what we're going to be talking a lot about today, which is A Full Life with Autism. It's from learning to forming relationships to achieving independence, and it's especially exciting because it is co-authored with her son, Jeremy. Now, Jeremy it graduated from high school at age 22 with a 3.78 GPA and gave a commencement speech using voice output technology. Jeremy is the Autism Research Institute's Youth Representative to the United Nations and the California Youth Leader for the Global Autistic Initiative. Um, I really urge you to go to Autism College since you're on your computers right now to go visit the website as we're talking today so you can learn a little bit more. And Chantal, welcome today. Thank you for having me, Betsy. It's always a pleasure. We have known each other for probably close to 10 years as we've just been in the diff- same speaking circuits together throughout the years. And um, Yeah, we met when we were 20, right, Betsy? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like the way you think. But I remember Jeremy was a few years older than, than Joey, and you were always so ahead of the game. And my son now is 18, but you were always just so far ahead of it. And I just didn't want to ever think about what's going to happen next. And as you got into first books on the teenage years, and I didn't want to think about that, but you got into adolescence. I mean, you, you just you just naturally progressed five years ahead of me, and I just um, I, I regret not having followed your lead as, as well as you have done, as you have led so many people in so many of your books. But this particular book is really, really special because of Jeremy's involvement in it. That's right. So um, the book, A Full Life with Autism, is about the transition to adult life, but it's not 
just for people um, or parents or educators working with young adults. It's really about everything that needs to happen before that time to get people ready to transition into adult life. And I really um, was so thrilled when Jeremy had the idea that he wanted to write a book, and then we had this idea of writing each from our point of view about this important area because I can know from the parent point of view what it's like, but it's really interesting to have the point of view of someone on the spectrum and what's important to them and seeing the process through their eyes. I I can't even imagine. And, And I honestly didn't know a lot about Jeremy until I watched the video and if can can you can you get to that video through the autism college your website um uh, i think so but um i know that you can get it on um youtube and i know that you can get it over 20,000 hits i don't know if you're yes, aware of it. um i'm not i don't think it's on my autismcollege.com website but it's definitely on my author website which is the chantel cecile com website. And what the video that Betsy's referring to for those that are listening is that when Jeremy graduated in 2010, so he was 22, and I have to say the graduation from high school with a full academic diploma was not one of my goals for him. But as he learned to um, type and communicate, and they at school were seeing Jeremy become more and more academically able, and he was being mainstreamed into classes, it came to a point where they said, well, you know, he has enough units to graduate if he can pass the California exit exam and if he can finish up the classes he needs before turning 22. He doesn't have to do only, you know, life skills or be in the transition program. And so that, it was his goal because he always wanted to learn. That's what he kept saying he liked to do was learning. And in California, you have six tries to pass the California exit exam. So the goal was to give it to him once, and then to see what areas um, he needed to be more fluent in academically because, you know, he spent most of his time in special education classrooms. Right. Well, he actually passed it on the first uh, try, which is really amazing. Um, but you could actually see from his scores what classes he didn't know or what topics he didn't know very much about, and those were the classes that he had learned about um, in special education classrooms and not from being mainstreamed. But this video is, and I know I'm going to get to it, it's that uh, when he was graduating, um, he had seen on campus that they had signs up saying that people could audition to give a commencement speech. And so he wanted to audition. So he wrote this speech, and he went to the audition, and he was allotted one of the spots. Um, and so this, uh, this uh, commencement speech is now on YouTube. I think it's Jeremy Cecile Kira's commencement speech and uh so my brother's a cameraman and of course uh some of the family flew out for graduation because my daughter was graduating the same day from another high school we had a big celebration and he videotaped the event and then he made that collage of images that goes with the speech but the speech are all in jeremy's words and they kind of led to this book because he said that uh he was kind of like helen keller stuck in a body Right. Um, you know, because of his sensory processing and his movement issues. And that, like Helen Keller, he had one first good teacher, which he says was his mom, and then other teachers, which were the people at school. And then he concluded by saying that, like Helen Keller, he wanted to be an advocate, he wanted to be a writer, and he wanted to go to college. So basically, this is what the book is, is his steps towards that adulthood that he envisions. So, 
Chantal, the first thing that really, I mean, as I watched it and, and just had tears just flowing down my face and of how beautiful Jeremy is and what an amazing person that he is, the first thing that made me feel sad, though, is because my son, he does have a communication device. He doesn't really use it that strongly, and he doesn't have the, those verbalization skills. And I guess... Uh, I've always felt because my son was the most severe and was always on the severe side that I didn't have a lot of options um, the way that you have with Jeremy. Do you feel, though, that your book helps people of all different, uh, all parts of the spectrum or just those who have more skills? No. Actually, my book, uh, the A Full Life with Autism, basically, like my other books, runs the gamut from one end of the spectrum to the other and it, besides being based on my personal experience and Jeremy's personal experience, I go through all the research, um, and I also interview other people around the country, either professionals or parents or people on the spectrum, to ask what, are, what is happening now to help people with, um, you know, having jobs, having housing, having relationships, to give parents ideas, because people are all over the place on the spectrum. And I have to say that my son, even though he communicates, when you think he wrote that speech, it's not like he sat down one day and said, I'm going to write this speech. That was done over weeks with different uh, people, you know, partly at school, partly at home. And it takes a long time for him to write. And Jeremy still is severely impacted by his autism. He still needs help with his self-care. Sure. Um, he gets better every year. We work very much on it. But the interesting thing is that now that he can communicate, he can tell us, what seems to help him, and what doesn't help him. I mean, we see that from observing his behavior sometimes, but it's not always very accurate. And uh, so he tells us also, like, what skills he wants to work on. So, of course, he's going to be more motivated if he decides, I want to learn how to feed the dog all by himself, all by myself with no prompts. Or I want to learn to take the shower completely from start to end by myself. You know, things like that, if he is more motivated and he's working on a skill that he wants to learn, then that's really um, good feedback for us. So, yeah, I'm very thrilled that he can do all this writing. Right. But to me, it's really funny because I had, had worked with young adults on the spectrum when, um, before Jeremy was born. That was my first job. I taught the first group of young adults in a California uh, hospital for the developmentally disabled the first group that were going to be released into the community, into group homes. So we used applied behavior analysis techniques um, such as positive rewards and also um, discrete trial and prompting to get them to complete things like brushing their teeth and dressing themselves and crossing the street correctly because you can't have an 80% to 20% chance there, 100% or nothing. You have to, you know, all these things. And so, to me, that was was important. And I find myself with a son who is really smart and managed to find a way to communicate with much work but still needs a lot of help with the self-care. Well, that's so that's an area that feels very important. But I do believe that a lot of people um, do have um, more going going on, and it's really hard the output is what's difficult for many people, not just the input. For some, it may be the input, understanding what's happening. But right. once they've learned how to understand, sometimes it's really hard for the output. And one of the things I learned with Jeremy is that his success today is not because he learned how to type. His success today 
is everything that we did from when he was little. And he will describe, in fact, that Autism One he's presenting, and he's presenting about what led up to high school and graduation. And he explains what therapies actually helped him and what little piece that put into the puzzle of his autism. And so when he learned to type, um, it, it was not a miracle. It was all this work that people had been doing for years, and he describes how he learned to read, how he learned to make sense of words. All these kinds of things, and it's important to realize that and not just think one day he typed and he's been locked inside all these years. He was locked inside in a way, but year after year, everything that we did helped him become the person that he is today. Fantastic. Tell me what age uh, a child would be for a parent to want to buy this book and to be able to say, okay, i got to start getting ready for this now. I would say, like, middle school is a good time to start thinking about some of the things in here. Uh, some diehards say, oh, they sh- people should be getting ready when they're really little. But in my point of view, when they're really little, you're really focusing on today. If you start thinking about the future, right. you're going to slit your throat, basically. Am I not right, Betsy? I totally agree with you, yes. <laughs> and I say middle school just for touching upon some of those life skills that you need to be learning, like self-advocacy and self-regulation, things like that. I think that when you, if you wait till the transition years or uh, when they're 16 and they're supposed to be giving input to their individualized transition plan at school, okay, it's better then than never, but I think you really have to be starting to think ahead of that time. Um, it's interesting uh, because um, I think that we like to think that we're going to do all this transitioning during the transition years, but as you know, when kids get older, Betsy, because your son is 18, mm-hmm is that no matter how wonderful your child is, when they're teenagers, whether they're on or off the spectrum, they have a mind of their own, and it's not usually the same as yours, which means that if they are not willing to learn something or put the time into learning something, it's going to be really hard to get them motivated. You have to figure out what is going to motivate them to want to learn to do these things. So if you have a a teenager who's already out of control, it's going to be harder than when they're younger to teach them uh, some of the things you need them to know for when they're young adults. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And we've got to go to a quick break. We'll be right back with Chantel Cecile Kira. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice. 
voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And this is Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Aranga, and we are having a wonderful um, talk today with Chantal, who is the author of the new and wonderful book, A Full Life with Autism. And it, I'm sure it will be for sale at Autism One Conference, but it's also available on Amazon, Chantal? Yes, it's available on all the major websites and in most stores, too. I mean, on the major websites for selling books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and also on my son's website, Jeremy Cecile Kira, on my author website, and also on AutismCollege.com. That's probably the easier, easiest Autism. thing to spell, AutismCollege.com. <laughs> you know, one of the reviews, I was reading over the reviews um, from the book, and one of the reviews said, the author breaks each large, seemingly overwhelming undertaking into small, doable tasks with bullet lists to sum up each chapter and help readers remain focused on track. You have to remember, a lot of these kids with autism have parents like myself with ADHD, <laughs> and we tremendously improve, appreciate something that takes a big, you know, overwhelming task and makes it simple and bullet points for us. I always tell that to my staff, give it to me in bullet points because that's how I understand it. So I am I'm excited myself to get a copy of this book this weekend and, and to read about this. But what I'd like to, to ask you a little bit about now is the subject of group homes um, because a, so much, oh, my goodness, I don't think there's a week that goes by that I don't open up an email from hearing about a new group home starting or someone looking for one. And it's such a big topic is these, this this range of children are of at an age to now – School's over, and now what? what? What could you add? Just give us little points, pointers for this. Right. Well, it's you're hearing about it now because, of course, most of our that big original wave of uh, kids that everyone talks about that you know when we had this dramatic increase in the diagnosis of autism, they're now reaching um, that age where they are going to be uh, leaving high school. I think the estimate is eight hundred thousand from the Organization for Autism Research. And so um, that's a lot of people that are going to be needing adult services. And so one of the things is living. Where are they going to be living? And, um, you know, by that we don't mean just living a place to sleep because where they live is also their life and their lifestyle. And so um, the the way I feel about living situations is that there should be options, okay? I hear some people talking about... Uh, farms. I hear people talking about communities, uh, inclusive or uh, in town or out somewhere. I hear about group homes. But the thing is, I want to make sure that people have options. So, um, for example, I have, I've always been one who is more into the group home idea than big farms or big um, communities because, first of all, Jeremy has always made it very clear he wants to live in the city. He likes the city. He doesn't like it very noisy, but, for example, San Diego is a pretty calm city. And the other thing is, though, Jeremy does not want to be in a group home. He wants to do what's called supported living. And I don't know how uh, much longer that option is going to be available because it's very expensive and with all the budgets. Uh, although I've 
been told here in California that supported living is cheaper than group home for the powers that be for different reasons. But supported living is when um, you live in a home or an apartment but with the roommates of your choice. So you can be sharing, uh, Jeremy could be sharing an apartment with another young person, and that young person may be neurotypical, and he may be getting, getting free rent for being there at night with Jeremy. Do you see what I mean? And then there's people that come in during the day for the day stuff, you know, his, whatever it is that he's going to be doing to support him. That is his goal and his dream, but I realize that there have to be options for people. I would just say that we really have to be careful when we're thinking about our options and thinking what is it that the child wants versus, you know, because it's an adult now, versus what does the parent want and how those two meet together because they are young adults. And the other thing I would really caution about, I know people don't like to hear this, but there's the safety issue. And so whether they're in the community or they're out in a community that's built for them in the countryside, there is a problem with safety. And uh, like Jeremy, he clearly states that he does not want to be with um, other nonverbal people, living with nonverbal people, because he says it's grouping the victims. And this is because Jeremy had a very bad experience at a camp and since then, he says that when you group nonverbal people together, you're grouping victims. And it's kind of interesting because when you think about it, um, when we think about sexual abuse and things like that, it can happen anywhere. But where do, where do uh, abusers usually look? They look for places where there's more people that they can attack and also people that are powerless, which are ten, tend to be the elderly and the nonverbal. So... Um, now, I'm not saying that that means that that's going to happen everywhere, but I think that when I hear about people building these places, what are they going to be putting into place to prevent these things from happening? Definitely. That's a very, very important piece to look at. I haven't heard anybody mention that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and that really concerns me. Is, is, so, uh, because, you remember, I worked in an institution, in a state hospital. Right. I know these people are not building state hospitals, but... I also remember this piece of uh, information that came from uh, Lovas, and I need to look it up and find where I read this, but it was one of his studies where he mentioned that when you group uh, people together in a classroom, for example, all of the same functioning level that are all nonverbal, after a while the teachers and the staff begin to um, treat them differently. It's like teachers and staff themselves need to have other types of people around, too, to keep that normal behavior up. And so it gets depressing. Right. So we have to be really careful that we don't allow those kinds of things to happen. And I want to make it clear, and I'm not saying these things happen in places that are already existing or anything. I think there are wonderful models out there, wonderful models. And I've heard such great things, but I want to caution people because I'm afraid we might move too fast and right. too swiftly because of the need, and just caution people to, make, to be very careful about safety concerns. Are most of the rules for these types of living arrangements on the federal or the state level? Um, I don't know enough about that. I think that the funding, uh, I think that a lot, some of the funding comes from federal and some funding comes from the state. Uh, but I don't know the very specifics about it because I know, like, Medi-Cal, uh, some of that comes from the state, but then, uh, I mean, from the federal, federal government, but then the states sometimes add to it or they figure out how it's going to be used. Okay. But I'm not really the right person to ask for specifics. My big question through it is, does it vary a lot state to state as to what is 
you know, what, what funding's involved or what type of options are involved? Oh, the options really vary from state to state, and, and it does vary depending on how um, uh, things are worked out in the different states. So in California, we're very lucky in that we have this Lanterman Act, which is a law that was passed which uh, says that people have the right to live in their own community, the community of their choosing, which is why... I worked on helping individuals leave the institution because that's when the funding came into place because if you have that law, then you have to have the funding that follows. Right. But what we're seeing here in California is that they're eating away at that law because they're changing the inter- interpretations of some of the aspects of it and they're figuring out how they can, um, you know, it's chip- chipping away at our rights. This is a law that's the rights for people with a developmental disability, basically in the state of California, and they're chipping away at it because of budget issues. So it's a big concern. Um, and in other states, they may not have something like the Lanterman Act, but all I can tell you is that everywhere around the country, there's not enough out there right now. And so it can be a very negative way of thinking. So I don't want to be negative, and I want to say that, and I know I started talking about abuse, but in my book, it, my book is very positive because it says here are the problems and then here are solutions that people are coming up with because I think the big message in my book is we can have a really good future, but we all have to be working together even if they're individual answers for each of our child, children. Okay. I like that. Does that make sense? makes perfect sense. I'm very positive about the future, but I realize I... that, um, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. And I, I do have nights where I wake up and wonder, oh, my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, but sure. the thing is, is that I see so many people joining together and so sharing and information. Yes, I, it's 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 amazing to me. I mean, they were con- talking about so much of a shortage, but I see so many people with this new passion. You know, sending me emails. I, I want to start a group home. I want to start a group home. You know, where do I start? And there are so many resources. And as you said earlier, so many people doing it right. But I think that your caution comes well received because it is something to have to look at. And I really love your statement about it's it's part of why I've always wanted inclusion for Joey, even with his the severeness, is because I like him being around kids that do normal things because I think it's, he likes it better, too. So all of your points have been extremely well taken by me. I think it's just great. Yeah, and I, um, I could give a couple of examples that might be helpful to other people. I'm not sure when the breaks are in the radio show, though, so you we have to We have about me. three minutes before we need another break. A few minutes? So, yeah, yeah, like two, two, more, two more minutes before we have okay, another break. Okay, so I'm going to, um, first of all, tell you one example for Jeremy, and then when we come back, I'm going to give you an example that could be helpful for people in other communities that a friend of mine is doing. So for Jeremy, he has some volunteer work that he's doing right now, and a lot of it has to do with writing um, for an organization, uh, for the the Autistic Global Initiative and the Autism Research Institute. Well, the thing is, is I don't want him to be stuck at home writing. What kind of environment is that? That's nothing to be doing it in. So I'm getting space for him, in or he's getting the space for himself with his support person from a resource I found, how many, um, well, you're in a rural area, but in cities they have these um, co-working spaces where people who work at home might rent uh, a few hours a week of office space. So you have membership levels. So maybe for $50 a month you get X number of hours per week. For $200 a month you can go there full time. So we have found a, net, a, a co-working space like that where Jeremy will start going a few times a week to do his work. 
and he will be surrounded by other people who are working. Wow, that's fantastic. So, and what is he working doing? I mean, what what is his what, I mean, what kind of jobs are available that he can do that, that with? Well, with Jeremy, he's got some, um, the volunteer work is actually doing some research papers on certain topics having to do with autism that's going to go into a lot of other, pe- other people's information that are putting together for uh, developing curriculum for the future, you know, for helping people like Jeremy. Another thing that he's doing is he gets writing gigs every once in a while. Well, instead of writing at home, why not be writing, like I go to Starbucks or I go somewhere to write to be around other people. He can go to a startup place, and also he has an idea for making money online. So it's good to go to a place, which is a co-working space, where there are a lot of tech guys. Because maybe somebody will want to mentor him for helping him with his online stuff. We're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health, and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Hi, it's Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Aranga, who is still busy over at Autism One, and we hope that you're all going to be joining this week, either physically or through the web. But right now, we have a wonderful show with you for you because what we are, I am talking with the wonderful Chantal Cecile Kira, who is one of my favorite authors and one of uh, is just has a recent book that's out that we're talking about today, which is called A Full Life with Autism. She co-wrote this book, uh, co-authored this book with her son, Jeremy, who is an amazing individual, and I'm learning more about him and enjoying everything that I'm learning. Um, to learn more as we're talking today, you might want to go visit her website that talks a lot more about this t- subject, which is autismcollege.com. Um, and Chantal, I have so many more questions for you that I want to make sure and get in because there's so many topics on this stage. And I know you said you had one more example that you wanted to give me. Do you want to go over that first? And yes. Then, uh, we'll move um, on. I spoke to a uh, friend of mine who lives near Chicago in a Chicago suburb, and her son just graduated from the transition program. And he has um, a little bit of communication skills, but not that much. But there's nothing for him. You know, now he's an adult. But what she and a few other people did, and this is a woman who I admire very much, but she was not 
the type of person who started a nonprofit or, you know, she didn't get involved professionally with her son's autism either. You know, she's just been managing, like most people, just the day-to-day. Well, a couple of years ago, they decided her and these other parents of children in the same transition program, but she is the mom of the oldest person, so it's the only one that's graduating this year. They decided they needed something on Saturdays. So they joined together and got a space, and they got a teacher who was off on Saturdays that they all liked, and they all contributed to this teacher one Saturday a month, and then one Saturday a month, too, or uh, every uh, week a different person of the parents had to volunteer. And six, there were six parents. One had to go. You had to give in a, a Saturday every six weeks. Okay. So then they decided what they were going to do is start to become a nonprofit, and now they're going to have two days. Uh, this year, so it's going to be Friday and Saturday. So um, again, it's working on that concept of um, using a teacher, and they're having uh, people that they know give them ideas about work. But they're finding places themselves in the community to go and do work, and to get experience for their children. So um, you know, now with this nonprofit, they see new opportunities starting up. But here's how six parents are kind of banding together. And they want to have more parents involved, but they're finding a solution to a challenge that they have instead of just being upset about it, which is really great because you get that camaraderie from the other parents. We're all in this together, even if our children are so different. I, I agree, and I think also with, with a bunch of positive minds thinking together, solutions will come because we all have our own set of resources, and we kind of when we can pull them together, we tend to find more options that way um, and That's I, so w- with a lot and this this is a good segue into what I want to talk about next and that is more work studies programs and, and more work programs and what age do you feel that in an IEP they should be doing some sort of career planning well first of all there are life skills that we have to learn whether it's just career planning or any kind of general life planning that should be starting earlier but at 16, when they're starting the transition planning, I feel that that's kind of a little late to be learning job skills. Uh, but again, at 16, we may not know what the person is capable of doing. If somebody has a special interest in an area, let's say we're aware of that much earlier, like someone keeps talking about um, planes or someone's always on the computer, I think it's important whenever they start showing the minute they start showing skills in a certain area or an obsession about something, finding out, finding a mentor in that field who then can help them figure out how could you use the special interest. So, for example, if someone starts on a computer when they're young and then they end up just spending a lot of time playing games, that's not really useful. But if that were, if Jeremy had been that kind of child, I would be right out somewhere trying to find, because there's tons of computer companies here in San Diego, who would know something about and could come over and mentor my son once a week. This is a good way to practice social skills. It's a good way for the person to figure out what the child is capable of doing on a computer. And if they work in the computer industry, technology industry, they may have an idea how that skill could be used future down the line. So that's not really in the IEP, but in my mind, that's how you can start earlier. But in the IEP, when they're 16, you definitely start to have to um, see career skills in there. A good way of getting experience doing things is through volunteering. So even someone like Jeremy, who has all this sensory and motor issues, 
we did things like um, walking the dogs for the pet store. Um, and when I say we, I initially made some contacts, or else Jeremy's support staff did contacts. So, of course, he always had a person that was funded either by me privately, and uh, I am not wealthy, but I save my pennies for this, and I shop at Marshall's, <laughs> and also funded by, as he got older, he was allowed in-home support services. So that is for in-home, so I use it for in-home. But um, that's helped me with teaching Jeremy's things. Another volunteer thing we did was Meals on Wheels, because Jeremy loved riding around in the car, and he loved giving things to people. So then he had to figure out, you know, once we got somewhere, how to get up in the elevator, how to, which hallway to go down, and usually had the same people, you know, if you volunteer on the same day every week. Um, he did some self-employment projects in high school where he learned about a profit and loss. And that all came about because WorkAbility said, we have nothing for Jeremy. He's not work-ready. He's not community-ready. This to a kid that's probably visited more countries than that woman had ever been to, the person right. who was in charge of WorkAbility at the time. Now they have a wonderful WorkAbility person at the, at the schools. The thing that's great is now the school districts are really uh, amping up their high school and transition programs. It's, they're getting so much better. And so um, when I talk about self-employment, um, what we realized is that the teachers did not have time to leave at lunch to go eat somewhere, and that by the time Friday came around, they were sick of the roach coach. The teacher came up with this idea, and he said, well, what about Jeremy gets order sandwiches across the street and delivers it to the um, teachers? Well, I negotiated a deal with this health food store across the way that Jeremy get, could buy the sandwiches for a dollar cheaper, and on Mondays, Jeremy would put a flyer in each of, like, the 200 slots of the teachers and staff. On Wednesday, he would collect it up with the envelopes of money. He'd have to count out the money, pull out the dollar for himself, then tally up the number of sandwiches. There was uh, always a choice from six sandwiches. Then his aide would call in. Then on Friday, he would go with the aide to pick up the sandwiches, and then he would deliver them to the teachers. Now, after a while, he had to learn, oh, I have to pay for the gas in the car. Right. Oh, I have to uh, pay for the napkins and the paper bag that the sandwich goes into. You know, we, we taught him little by little, things right. like that. Then the next year, he was able to start um, communicating more, like because before he could only point to yes and no. So he said he wanted to do something with peers. So his paraprofessional aide said, well, there are no flowers being sold on campus, and most high schools have flowers. So he got flowers at a wholesale place and used to sell them on Fridays. And then he had to use better motor skills. So the OT got involved with helping Jeremy's motor skills. So it was really interesting. But, you know, this doesn't mean he's going to have a career in flowers or a career in um, delivering sandwiches, but it taught him skills that now he knows to apply for trying to earn money. I love this. I love those ideas. Those are so fantastic because I think – it, it, it's just it's just so win-win for everybody involved, from the store who's selling the sandwiches to the stu to the people that are buying them to Jeremy, and even to the aide. I mean, it's just, it's just to have some a nice routine for that every day. Right. Brilliant. And Jeremy bought his assistant's dog that way, and I never would have believed. This is what I mean. We have to think outside of ourselves sometimes. But I was thinking, oh, Jeremy's going to want the money for French fries. You know, like an immediate reward. Sure, sure. <clears throat> he was talking about an assistance dog for a long time. He liked dogs. He wanted a dog. And so I said, well, you're going to have to earn the money because it would it costs $2,000, okay? 
So, um, Jeremy, I kid you not, for a year and a half, when he was either selling sandwiches or putting the flowers together, like he would twiddle with the flower and it would break and he couldn't sell it anymore. So they would say, you just lost $3 that would have gone towards buying a dog. And he stopped twiddling and never twiddled with the flower again. Things like that. And he didn't get immediate rewards, but he knew he was getting that dog. And that's what motivated him. He didn't need the immediate reward. So sometimes, you know, we're not thinking high enough. Uh, I would never have thought that. But it turns out, he, like most people on the spectrum that I that can communicate, that I figure out, they have great memory. Yeah. So they remember, this is for the dog, this is for the dog, this right. is for the dog. <laughs> did he get the dog, Chantel? Did he get it? Yes, we did. And actually, if anybody's listening who's on my Facebook, you can see the dog actually sitting on my mom's bed in the nursing home because it was her, her birthday on Sunday. And so uh, she's in a nursing home, and um, we try and take the dog most of the time. When we drive up to L.A., it's pretty far from here. But uh, this time we had the dog, and not only that, but this time there was room on the bed for the dog because the dog always tries to jump on the bed, and my mother's very uncomfortable, but this time there was room. So the dog helped Jeremy. not only Jeremy. So is he saving for something else now? Um, now he he saves for travel. Oh. Well, travel's a big thing that he's interested in. after my own heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And, of course, he's saving for his own place. Are you still there? I'm here. Can you hear okay, me? Okay, sorry. It clicked out for just a second. I think it was my fault. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you repeat what you just said? Because I just was out for like 10 seconds. He's, he's saving for his own place. Oh, that's good for him. Yep. And of course, I like he has to save money for all his tutors because tutors now, they're older. You know, the people he's known for years, they're getting married, they're having kids. So there's always something that he has to spend money on. Right. But he likes I- doing that. I think I've never known anyone as resourceful as you as finding ways. To, it's not about the charity. It's really about just making sense out of different people's needs and putting them together. And I, I just love that. Um, well, you know what? You have a good point there about the. it's not about charity because that's what I found is really hard with the looking for work is usually people are saying, oh, can you give a job to my poor disabled person? Right. And here's the thing. If you look at the top ten skills that employers look for, people on the spectrum have a lot of them. The first one is um, that they uh, are good workers, that they show up. Right. Okay? Well, what do you call it when you have kids that are waiting for the bus that get upset when the bus is five minutes late and that hate the change in routine? They want to go. They have to be there. They want to be where they're supposed to be and do what they're supposed to be doing. And they're not going to be the ones calling in sick because they had too many tequila shots the night before, are they? Exactly. The second thing they look for is honesty. Well, unless a person with autism has another diagnosis, a dual diagnosis of some kind, they are honest to a fault. If you say to someone with autism, do I look fat? He's going to say yes if you do look fat. <laughs> He's going to use that example. <laughs> oh, seriously. So, okay, they're honest. They're not the ones going to be stealing money from the employer. Right. And there's all these things that I'm not going to go through here, and they're in the book. But these are selling points. You say to somebody, do you want to hire someone who's always going to show up and who's going to be honest? That's the first two out of ten skills. And you know what? It's the same thing here. You can have the best tutor or respite worker for your child, but if they're not there half the time, do you want them working for you? You'd rather take someone who's a little less 
uh, effective, but who's going to show up. Exactly. That's perfect. Okay, we're going to go to another break. When we get back, let's wrap this up and talk about some resources and especially um, let people know where to get your book. We've been talking here with Chantal from the book A Full Life with Autism. <clears throat> During break, make sure you also take a look at uh, the wonderful book autism, uh, uh, website, autismcollege.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Professionals and families who are dealing with autism face challenges that can lead to many questions. Questions about how to understand, communicate, and support each other. Every week, Autism Today with host Dr. Patrick J. Rydell will focus on dealing with the diagnosis and the day-to-day challenges of autism spectrum disorders. Dr. Rydell will combine his 30 years of experience along with featured guests from the ASD field to provide their insights and answers to your questions. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And it's Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Aranga. Please join us this weekend at Autism One. Either come out and join us in Chicago or Lombard, Illinois, or certainly you can do it by the web. And last but not least, you could also just purchase the tapes and hear us all having a lot of fun and uh, making some some fun changes in the world. Um, I am joined here with Chantal Cecile Kira, who is the author of a um, she's author of five award-winning books. But we're talking today about a full life with autism, which she co-authored with her son Jeremy. And I have learned so many things, Chantal. I can't thank you enough for allowing me to be the one to interview you. Um, but I I do know that people are looking for resources, and um, that that is the one thing that it's certainly, I think about when Jeremy and Joey were probably first diagnosed, how little we had available to what, what, what is available now. It's, it's, right. it's mind-boggling. Um, but, but where is a good place for people to get um, information on adult services and job opportunities and group homes and all of these things? So there's a bunch of different places, and that's a lot of things. And I have a whole lot of resources in my book, but I'm going to pull out a few of them. So here's this is a free download, which is really wonderful, uh, which is called Adult Autism and Employment, okay. a Guide for Vocational Rehabilitation Professionals. And the name of the author is Scott Standifer, S as in sugar, T as in Thomas, A, N as in Nancy, D as in dog, I, F as in Frank, E, R, Scott Standifer. So uh, again, Adult Autism and Employment, A Guide for Vocational Rehabilitation Professionals. This is an important book, and 
it may not help parents that much in terms of learning about autism, but it's a good book for you to have to give to your voc rehab counselor if you have one oh. or to tell your um, school districts about because this is what voc rehab professionals need to know about autism to help them in their job of getting work for people with autism. So you want to look at that online, and if you think of it um, as helpful to anybody you know that's helping to place somebody or helping to look for work, this is the book that they need to have. And not that many people that I know of have heard of it, so I would um, definitely look at that. Um, There are some uh, places such as on um, nonprofit autism organizations who have employment-related information. Uh, Autism Speaks has some. The Autistic Global Initiative, which is on the Autism Research Institute website, um, there's also ASTEP. This is a new organization called Asperger Syndrome Training and Employment Partnership. It's based in New York right now. It's very new, and what they're doing is that they are um, partnering uh, with the business community to both educate the business community, uh, you know, possible employers, but also uh, training for those with Asperger Syndrome. Um, the Adult Autism and Employment Guide, the one that I mentioned, that is not just for people with Asperger's. That's for um, all types of um, individuals. Okay. Um, also, my, one of my favorite books is Developing Talents. That's by Temple Grandin and Kate Duffy. It gives a lot of ideas about the interview process and showing your skills and uh, as well as developing your talents. And um, there's free information in my library on autismcollege.com. I also have uh, a resource. It's not free, but it's a download. It's a beginner's guide to self-employment. And after working with Jeremy and a lot and other individuals with autism, I developed this workbook that helps with um, putting together a self-employment project. Or by going through that, sometimes you get ideas for jobs that um, your student or um, child could possibly be interested in or get. And uh, so that's interesting. Um, In terms of college, because there are some people that are looking for college, there are some, um, there's, I'm trying to turn to the page right now. There's a great free um, download as well that tells you the difference between college and high school because it's different rights and responsibilities and you need to prepare both yourself as a parent and the student. And that's called Catching the Wave from High School to College. A Guide to Transition. Again, Catching the Wave from High School to College, A Guide to Transition, and that's edited by Carl, which is C-A-R-L, Fielden, F as in Frank, I-E-L, D as in Daniel, E-N, Fielden. And, yeah, that's something, you know, I mentioned before life skills, and I feel like I'm beating beating a dead horse, but self-regulation and self-advocacy are very important, and, uh, If you have a student who is planning to go even to community college like Jeremy does, they need to be able to advocate for themselves because the parent is not the one that they communicate with. They communicate with the student. And also uh, the student needs to know what accommodations they need because they need to tell the counselor at college what accommodations they will need by law. And it's not the same kinds of um, rules as in high school. So under the Individual with Disabilities and Education Act, you may have your work modified. 
as well as accommodations, but you may not in college. In college, you only have accommodations. So I just want to touch up on that for the other folks out there who may have some college-bound students. That's fantastic to hear. Real quick, anything that you recommend for people for group homes, a place to get information on that? Um, Yes, I'm going to have to look in here in my book. Um, Luckily, my book is nicely organized. (laughs) It's just trying to find the page right now. Okay, some resources. And I, you know, I was just going to, I was mentioning to you a break time too. Advancing full spectrum housing, the design for adults with autism spectrum disorders. And that's from Arizona. Advancing full spectrum housing, design for adults with autism spectrum disorder. And you can find out more about federal and state entitlements at the housing and urban development website. That's the housing and urban development website. And here's a really good, uh, enjoyable report to read called Opening Doors, a discussion of residential options for adults living with autism and related disorders. Opening Doors, a discussion of residential options for adults living with autism and related disorders. Great. And that's, again, from the Urban Land Institute, Arizona. With all these great information, everybody definitely wants to get the book because the book is going to really be able to be, um, it it would be nice to have all these resources in in one particular place. And definitely, I would highly recommend to go to her website, to go to Chantel's website, which is autismcollege.com, so you can purchase there the book, which is A Full Life with Autism, um, which actually just came out this March, correct? It just came out uh, March 27th, right in time for... Autism Awareness Day. Perfect, perfect. Um, This has been amazing, and the amount of things that I've learned from you today has just blown my mind. I'm so excited to start taking this knowledge and to start using it in my own life and recommending your book as well to so many of our different patients. We get to talk again next week. Well, actually, we get to talk this weekend at Autism One. but personally, um, without the whole world listening. I don't know about that. There will be a lot of people listening for that, yes. for, especially for yours. Can you tell me what day you're going to be speaking at Autism One this year? I'm going to be talking. Uh, actually, it's not me that's presenting. I am just there to support my son. I love it. My son it. will be presenting on Saturday, and the time has been changed. I think it's at 1.30. Okay. And he's he's going to be talking. Uh, it's called The Full Life with Autism. He does a uh, collage of photos with the talk of how he got to be the successful person he is today. So he talks about his experiences and what's been helpful to get him to where he is today. And then we'll be book signing following that. Great. We love to talk to people, so if you see us, stop us. Please, and and I I will be there. I will be speaking on Sunday, actually, at noon, talking about fermentation. My husband, John, is going to be talking about biofilms on Saturday. And uh, we, together, will be talking again next week on Voice America. So everybody come back And we'll be talking about Betsy's book. Right, Betsy? We are. It's going to be a reverse of roles, so it should be a lot of fun. We need to go now, but it's been great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chantal. You've been a fabulous guest. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.